Hello, Colorado. This is Philip Jordan with I Love Colorado Beer Podcast. I Love Colorado Beer is your home for beer gear, including t-shirts, koozie sweatshirts, hats, and much more. Just go to ilovecoloradobeer.com. Today on this show, we have Paige from 222 Brewing. She is the owner and brewer for 222. And now let's take it away. I'm Philip Jordan. I'm here with Paige at 222 Brewing. Hi, Paige. Hi. So tell me what your role is in 222 Brewing. Um, so I'm one of the owners. My husband and I own it together, and I'm the head brewer. Excellent. So how did you get the idea for 222? Uh, so both my husband and I were teachers before this. Um, we both taught high school science, um, and we had brewing as a hobby. After being in the teaching career for a few years, we decided that that wasn't really what my, at least my 30-year plan looked like. Um, I couldn't see myself in the classroom for an extended amount of time. I loved my job, but there was a lot of things about the teaching in general that I didn't like. Um, so we decided to pursue some other options, and we knew we wanted to do something and own our own business. We also have a family foundation that we knew we wanted to be able to support. Um, and so I hate fundraising. I wanted to be able <laughs> sure. to gift out grants from our foundation, which is what the 222 background is, which we can get into later. We wanted a way to raise money for our foundation without having to ask for donations all the time. Uh, so we decided to combine our love of beer and science and brewing along with philanthropy and open 222. Excellent. So how long ago did 222 open? Uh, so we've been open since February of 2014. So we're going on like 15 months here right now. Very Maybe cool. As of today. Is the today the 22nd? So how did 222, how did the name originate? Um, so going back to the philanthropy piece, we knew we wanted to be able to donate back to our foundation. And so our foundation is set up in Colorado, and we gift money back to Colorado nonprofits Very cool. that are within education, environmental stuff, mm-hmm. and kind of whole person well-being. Um, and so we decided, you know, we didn't want to just be like, oh, yeah, we give 20% back, or we give whatever, because that's so generic, and yeah. that's just so... I mean, it's awesome, but it's also kind of boring in the marketing terms, uh, I guess. Um, So we decided we wanted to do $2.22 of every $10 of profit back to our foundation. Um, And we got that number. We knew we wanted to be right around the 20% mark. Um, And when we were getting ready to make the transition from teaching into brewing for real and (laughs) making that decision and deciding if we could really do it, um, I was waking up every day in the middle of the night at 2.22. Wow. So I was like, oh, that's kind of perfect. We'll just use that, that. That's crazy. So when people come here and they buy beer, they're actually supporting this group. $2.22 of the profit, of all the profit, is going to the... Yep, to our foundation. Foundation. Yep. And then we gift out grants once a year. Uh, so nonprofits from all over Colorado can write into our um, foundation for grants. Mm-hmm. And then we go through all of those and we gift out grants between one and $10,000. That's very cool. So how did you come up with the location? Um, so I had actually been a teacher out in this area. We're, like, we're technically in Centennial, but it's basically southeast Aurora. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a teacher at Eagle Crest High School, which is about a mile and a half from here. Um, and I had joined a CrossFit gym, and I had just kind of become, this had kind of become my community of people, even though I didn't live anywhere near here. I lived, like, closer to downtown. Um, but being out here, you know, all my teacher friends, we'd go to happy hour on Fridays, and there's, like, one place to go to happy hour. There's, like, not that many unique things to do out here. It's yep. pretty chain-oriented as far as restaurants go and things to do. Um, 
And so, you know, living by downtown, it's like, oh, well, that would have been obvious. Open closer to downtown, open off of Broadway, open off of Santa Fe, you know, do something like that, which there's a lot of breweries doing that. But we kind of have a niche out here being that there's nobody else out here. Um, Dry Dock is our closest other brewery. They're four miles from us. And that's cool because they're a huge name, so they do bring, they help us bring business out this way. But, I mean, we're pretty far east, and there's a lot more houses further east than us. Uh, and those, that community do, doesn't really have anywhere to go. That's, that's, that's really cool. Uh, lo- I mean, this is a really cool location for people wanting to get out, because, again, like you said, not many people around here. And not only that, but then you get to bring in more money towards your foundation. So it kind of helps out all around. So what are the challenges that you experience with preparing to open this brewery? I mean, coming from two teachers... That's, that's a little bit of a change. Yeah, it was a huge change. I mean, just the whole, like, do you both jump ship, you and your husband, who have two fine careers in an industry where you're getting, you have a salaried position, um, and, you know, how do you make that feasible on that end? Um, and then also, I mean, we'd never really worked in a brewery, either of us. We'd never worked in service. We'd never really done anything. Huh like that um and so that was like a lot of the challenging pieces i mean the science and the brewing that's a challenge in and of itself but we felt like that was kind of our background you know like i we both studied science we knew that side all of that i felt like we could learn mm-hmm. i mean everything else you can learn too but it was like all the stuff that some people have a background in we didn't so did you guys even start doing homebrew at all? Were you guys yeah, so we've been homebrewing for about seven years. Okay, so you had a little uh, bit of experience So the there. brewing side, like, that was okay. Absolutely. But then it's like when you get ready, it's like, okay, well, brewing's only one part of owning a brewery. Mm-hmm. You know, the taproom piece and, you know, the employees and uh, everything else. So many logistics that you don't do when you homebrew. Like, when you homebrew, it's just all for fun. Yeah. So um, your first system that you use, homebrewing, explain that. Were you in kegels? What did you do? The Mr. Brew kit? Um, oh, no. Oh, yeah. I had um, a pot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I had about, I had like a, I don't know, whatever it is, a 12-quart pot that I <laughs> brewed in on Was it extract? Stove. Um, the first brews we ever did were extract. Okay. Um, and then I never upgraded my system when I was doing a lot of all-grain mm-hmm. brewing. And when we were getting ready to open, obviously you want to brew all grain because that's what you're going to be doing and so I just really scaled back the size of the batches that I was doing and I was brewing so I went from brewing extract five gallon batches on my stove nothing high tech no bells and whistles at all and I just scaled it back so I could use the same on stove equipment Um, and we were brewing I was doing one gallon all grain batches that's yeah, <laughs> going from that into this, what was the first system that you jumped into at 222? Uh, so we have um, a seven-barrel system. Okay. Uh, it's made by Tom Bennett down in Ridgeway, Colorado, who has done a lot of the smaller breweries mm-hmm. uh, that are opening up right now in Colorado. And so, yeah, we have just a seven-barrel system with, we have four fermenters, and then we have seven bright tanks that we serve out of. Um, from our cooler. Have you guys expanded it all on the system since you opened? We haven't. We we started, I mean, having four fermenters is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of people open and have that kind of space capacity or, you know, just in general that kind of room. What size fermenters uh, are they? They're seven barrels. They're seven. All, okay. Everything's seven. Excellent. Yep. And so just to have, be able to, you know, have four beers in process at one time is really good for us. Um, so we haven't had to expand yet. 
um, which is nice. You know, we kind of opened with the foreseeable future in mind. Sure. Um, you know, it's we didn't want to buy all this stuff and then six months down the road have to buy all new stuff again. Yep. You know, so looking a little bit ahead, we were like, okay, we could probably open with two fermenters and we'd be fine. You know, we could open with a little bit less space in our cooler. But then what happens when you do need to expand and when you are getting bigger? Um, so we opened with kind of that perspective in mind a little bit. Um, so no, we have not expanded yet, but we'll see what happens. So going from that home brewer into this brewing system, um, tell me about that learning curve. Uh, expand a little bit more on, on what that looked like for you. Were you. Did you ever screw up a big batch here? Did you ever, are you still experimenting with each one of your beers? How is that? We do. Um, you know, so we went down, also down in Ridgeway is um, a little brewery called Colorado Boy Brewing. Mm-hmm. The owner of that, Tom Hennessy, he does a really, really awesome, basically homebrew to large scale class. It's a three day long class that we took and that was the first time we never brewed on the large system he has a seven barrel i wouldn't say his system is large he brews in about 40 square feet if you um (laughs) but yeah so we went down there and we uh learned from him but then of course you know you come home and you make your own system and you buy all this equipment and you you know buy everything you think you need yep and then you look at it and you're like okay we need about 80 million more things um and you just kind of expand from there Knock on wood, we have not yet ever dumped a batch. Excellent. Um, There's yep, wood here, yep. knocked on it. You know, but we still do experiment. Um, since my homebrew system was so rudimentary, sure. I don't typically fall back on small-scale batches. You know, I rely on the things that I learned homebrewing for seven years, mm-hmm. and I rely on what I know about beer and what I know about malts and hops. And a lot of times, don't test batch. A lot of times, we just jump into a full seven-barrel brew. You know, because for me to go home and brew a one-gallon batch at this point, yeah, it's it's just so backwards. I mean, it, it's if I had the system, it would be great to be able sure. to do a little experimenting. But I just don't really have the great capabilities, and I never had a great homebrew setup. So, so are you guys? Are you guys using a scientific method every time? Would you say most of it's science background? I mean, I'd say it's science, but as brewers know, anybody who's homebrewed, anybody who's ever done anything, it's it's a lot of experimenting anyways, yep. scientifically experimenting with what you know and what has worked in the past. Um, and it's, you know, there's a lot of almost cooking involved. There's a lot of, okay, you know, I know how to cook a chicken and let's see if I can cook a chicken a different way. And so I think there is a lot of science behind what we do, but there's also a lot of just relying on what we know works sure. and moving forward hoping it works in a different capacity so tell me about your first flagship beer that you guys produce for this place do you guys have flagship beers so we have about we don't really call them our flagships we don't name any of our beers we don't whatever but we have about four beers that we have on tap 99 percent of the time so those in essence are our flagships so we have a blonde that we have on that's very generic very basic but again one that i think you need to have on tap some things similar for especially for our location yep. you know that we have a lot of non-craft beer drinkers who yep. come in and need to start somewhere exactly um we have a simcoe ipa that we mm-hmm. brew primarily with simcoe hops that's one of our best sellers we do a milk stout that's on pretty much all the time and then we have a red ale that we brew with cinnamon so it's a red cinnamon beer um, what was the first one of those that you that you made that you really here? fell in love with yeah um well, the red cinnamon was what we wanted to be like our huge beer sure. to start. 
Um, it was not our first brew because I feel like you don't ever want to do your like high expectation beer as your first brew. Yep. <laughs> um, so I think the Simcoe and the Red are kind of our what we're proudest of that are our flagships. Mm-hmm. But you know, with anything, they've kind of evolved a little bit as we've learned how to use our system better and as we've gotten better as large scale brewers. So sure. I think they're better than they were when we opened. Do you guys uh, bottle at all? We don't. Um, so we don't bottle, we don't can, we do a little bit of distribution into um, different restaurants, but that's kind of one of our 2015 goals is getting our distribution more expanded just into restaurants and things. Based Because of our location and because of our mission to be so philanthropic, we really like being a location yeah. and not just a beer on a shelf. And so for a while, you know, our in the long term, yeah, maybe bottling or canning in the future. But for now, we really like being a spot and we like being a neighborhood place where people can come. Excellent. So what's a beer that has surprised you as far as sales, flavor, maybe difficulty of brew? What's one beer that just surprised you? You know, I think our Simcoe IPA was kind of, it wasn't really meant to be our flagship IPA. Mm. It was kind of like, a, oh, we'll do this if we can get Simcoe hops and we have, you know, whatever. And that beer has really exceeded our expectations I think and I think just kind of our clientele has surprised us on the beer front so when we introduce new things like if we do a saison or if we do some of the more Belgian-y beers a lot of our clientele is still really learning that craft beer-esque and craft beer things mm-hmm. um, and so when we introduce kind of the non-beer beers is what I like to call them to our consumers. So it's like when you put a Saison out, people are like, well, that doesn't taste like beer. And I'm like, well, what, what does beer taste like? You know, what in your mind, what is beer? You know, and so they always fall back on the, you know, Coors Light, you know, <laughs> yep. um, Bud, whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's, that is one beer, yes. But there are many, many other varieties and flavors and styles of beer. And so when you put something in front of somebody that they're not used to. They're like, well, that doesn't taste like beer. Yep. I'm like, well, it does taste like beer. It just doesn't maybe taste not what like you're used to. the beer you're used to. So what kind of beers are your favorite to brew? You know, I personally, I'm kind of a dark beer lover, so I do enjoy brewing those darker beers. Uh, I like experimenting with the coffee flavors and the chocolates and kind of those deeper roasted mm-hmm. flavors. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, I also like brewing some of the more citrusy IPA type beers just because I feel like they always have a really fun balance between the malts and the hops that you can play with and there's a lot of leeway uh, especially in Colorado now you know it's like you can go to however many breweries that have opened in the past three to five years and everybody kind of has their own idea of what they want to call an IPA or of what they're going to call a milk stout Um, And that's something that's really fun about Colorado because, yes, I understand there are standards and there are technical terms and there are technical values (laughs) for what every beer style should fall within. But kind of the beauty of craft beer is that it is a craft and that you can experiment a little bit. And, you know, if you brew a beer and it doesn't fall exactly into a category, that's okay. Sure. Do you guys work close with any other breweries? Do you guys get ideas, bounce ideas back and forth? Have you guys... Um, you know, we do. I think not any specific brewery in particular. I think we collaborate behind the scenes a lot with the industry in general. 
Um, the Colorado Brewers Guild does a really good job of putting on industry events and trying to get brewers together to talk to each other. Um, so basically anybody who's opened a brewery in the last two years in Denver Metro, we've probably had a conversation with. You know, and maybe it's not about a specific beer or a specific thing, mm -hmm. but the industry is so collaborative that it's just everybody kind of comes together and yep. talks in general. Which is an awesome part about breweries. What we've found is that everybody does kind of communicate together and they do get along. Um, it it kind of helps you guys stay competitive a little bit, too. Right, I mean, because there's, it's always, there's that competitive feeling, but it's always like, okay, so down the road there's a new brewery opening up or, you know, across town or whatever, and they have a really good whatever type of beer. It doesn't even yeah. matter. And it just makes you want to make better beer. So good brew, good beer brews good beer. Yep, I and couldn't agree more. So tell me a little bit more about your tap room, just in general. I mean, do you guys have food trucks here? Do you guys have... We do. We have hours? food trucks about five days a week, I would okay. say. Um, you know, we try to do fun events kind of for the whole community we you know we do a trivia night which i know is not super unique but out in this area there's so few and far between places to go do things mm -hmm. um we do a happy hour market on wednesday so it's it was kind of our winter version of a farmer's market Very so cool. a lot of vendors would come in and sell different things since they didn't have a summer place to go mm -hmm. um you know we have our food trucks and we, it's kind of nice because we get a little bit of a different food truck selection than, say, downtown Denver. Because mm -hmm. we're so far east. Uh, you know, a lot of those people, a lot of the downtown Denver trucks are based, like, north or west. And they don't necessarily want to do an hour and a half commute right. to come out here. So we get kind of a different selection of food trucks than some of the more metro breweries, which That's is very nice. Cool. Do you have a listing on your website of different brewer or different uh, food trucks? We do. And then um, we, we use Facebook a lot. Um, and we put out, I put out a weekly schedule. So it has our Monday through Sunday food truck and events schedule every week. Um, is your Facebook 222 Brew? Yep. It's, so it's two spelled out. So T-W-O and then the number 22 Excellent. Space Brew. So just tell me a little bit about your future vision for 222. You know, we, like I said before, we really enjoy being in a place. Yep. Um, if you go back to old England, if you go back to old Scotland, old Ireland, there's a lot of corner neighborhood pubs. And the industry in the U.S. kind of got so big so fast that that kind of went away. But I think it's coming back. And we really like that feeling. Um, we like being in neighborhood. We've made so many good friends. We've made so many connections within the neighborhood itself. Mm -hmm. which also lends us to, like, the philanthropy side of things because we've made a lot of friends who have causes that are close to their hearts. And so we learn a lot about causes in Colorado that are really important. Right. Um, and we really like that. And so I think for now, we really, really enjoy being a cozy neighborhood taproom. And, you know, we're big. Our taproom is bigger than some of the other brand-new taprooms that are out there. You know, we have seating for close to 80 people but also within that we have a really core good group of neighbors and regulars that come in and so I think for the future we'll look at opening a second location or doing something where we can still be that spot yep. um, as opposed to just beer out in the world. Absolutely so tell, tell me again how can our viewers find out more of the cause on 222 more of the foundation that you guys are 
Um, so we're actually in the midst of revamping our website right now. Okay. Right now on our website, we do have a link to our foundation, which is the Schuster Family Foundation. Yep. Um, and it has links to everybody we've given money to um, via grants in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, we were able to gift out 11 different grants to people around the state. And so we have it on our website. You know, if you come into the tap room, we have a huge wall. That's our giving wall. And so we have a little bit about all of the places we've given to. And starting in June of this year, so starting next month, we're actually unveiling it at our Patio Peach Fest tomorrow. Uh, We're starting a charity of the month to go along with that also. So we'll be featuring... Not necessarily somebody we've already given money to, but mm-hmm. maybe, but also some of the other really, really local places that we've found just by being here. Very cool. Um, what I want to do is I just kind of want to ask you what else you have in mind that you'd like to um, that you'd like to tell us. No, I think um, a lot of times if you look at us on a map, mm-hmm. we are out of the way from a metro Denver area. You know, we don't. We don't get hit up by the brewery tours. We don't get that kind of exposure mm-hmm. because we're, you know, we're not in the midst of anything. We're on the far reaches of everything. Sure. Um, but, you know, I will say, like, I think we've gotten really great feedback. People really like our tap room. It has a really nice kind of urban, rustic feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and people really like that. You know, I think we have a really great group of staff who really love beer and who love talking and who also have philanthropy as part of what they want to do with their lives, you know, whether or not it's directly or by working here. Um, But I just say that, you know, even though we're a little bit off the beaten path, Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of great breweries that have opened out our way. And so I think it's definitely worth a visit out in our direction because people are like, oh, man, you're so far out there. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're, we're a drive. But I think it's worth the drive for people to come out and kind of see what we're about and see our beer and see our culture. So where are you guys located, cross streets? Um, So we're just west on Quincy of E470. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're about 20 minutes south of the airport if you were to take 470. So our direct cross streets are pretty much um, Quincy and Reservoir Road. Sure. Um, Being the owner and the head brewer of a rather, you know, fairly large tap room, what advice would you give somebody who might want to get into this industry and has a little bit of background in it, but not really the management side of it, what, what would be some feedback you'd give? I would just say you have to be willing to commit 100% to mm-hmm. what you're doing. And if you can commit to it and you're willing to make mistakes along the way, as long as you're also willing to admit that you maybe made a mistake and that you're willing to fix it, yep. I think that's the most important thing. Um, we get a really great clientele base, and, you know, they appreciate They're like, oh, yeah, we, if I say, yeah, we screwed up, and then we come back and fix it, everybody's mm-hmm. usually okay with that. So thank you, Paige. I'm going to end this and wrap this up with our lightning round. And do you have any idea what I'm about to ask you? I do not. That is excellent. Do you know about this? No. That's even better yet. So what I'm going to do is I have a list of questions here. I'm going to time you, put you on the spot. You're going to answer as fast as you possibly can. Oh, this could be disastrous. I'm bad at this. (laughs) If there's any need for explanations, we will go back afterwards and explain. So at the end of the year, what we're going to do is we're going to um, give a prize to the fastest person who answers these questions. Oh, this could be bad. (laughs) So, are you ready? Sure. What was the most difficult beer you've ever made and why? 
Most difficult beer we've ever made, um, I would say any of our IPAs. Do you prefer cans or bottles? Cans. Favorite beer in the world? Uh, any milk stout out there. Best brewery in the world? Ooh, I really like Odell. What is more fun, home brewing or commercial brewing? They're both equally fun. What is so great about beer? Uh, it brings people together, the community. What country makes the best beer? The U.S. How frequently do you guys kick someone out because they're too drunk? Very, very rarely. Is Budweiser actually the king of beer? No. Ales or lagers? Ales. What's worse, a skunk or skunky beer? Ooh, skunky beer. In the movie Strange Brew, what did Doug and Bob claim to have found in a beer bottle? Oh, no idea. Done. 52.6 seconds. Way to go. <laughs> you, uh, that's, that's actually a pretty decent time. Um, cool. Well, I appreciate it. Do you want to go back and elaborate on anything? Uh, Are you pretty happy with all uh, your... I'm, I'm good. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it, Paige. Thanks for inviting me into 222, and thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. I would like to give a special thanks to Paige from 222 Brewing. Please stop by their location and give their beer a taste. Again, remember to visit our website at I Love Colorado Beer. Cheers.